0: Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa.
1: Investors, as we all know, financing deals can be very challenging. If you are looking for funding for your next real estate transaction, we want to introduce you to Fund That Flip.
2: Flip is a lender that gets you fast, affordable capital on your one to four unit projects, including single family rental and new construction.
1: Ladies, we have known the founder, Matt, and his company for many years, and they are the real deal. So, Andressa, where can they learn more? Ladies, if you're looking for great terms and reliable service, check out fundaflip.com backslash investher. Nicole Defala is a wife, mom, and real estate junkie. She struggled through her first year in the business until joining KW in 2011. From there, Nicole and her husband have grown their team to 10, added new construction projects, vacation rentals, and are now in the process of developing a waterfront luxury RV resort. On today's episode, we chat with Nicole about the importance of building a team, how to maximize the appraisal process, vacation rentals, and how to raise kids with an entrepreneurial mindset. Welcome back ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show. We want to welcome Nicole to our show. Welcome.
0: Hey, good to be here.
1: Yeah. We're so excited about uh, Nicole being on today's our show today and getting into her fantastic story. And before we kind of kick things off, welcome everyone back to this lovely show, the Real Estate Invest Her Show and just what we're up to in helping women empower women live financially free and balanced lives. So how are you doing that these days, Miss Andressa? I'm doing pretty well. I had a different experience
2: this past week. I went to jury duty for the first time.
1: What's duty duty?
2: No, jury. J U C See, my my
1: my Oh, I'm, jury duty. Judy, jury. Jury. Oh, okay. I'm we go. like what is duty duty? <laughs> it didn't sound very pleasant, so I was like is that, that something go. I don't know about in Philadelphia?
2: What well, was going on? So it's not a nonsense, but I went there and I came back without even opening up my mouth. I was like, might as well pick me. Like I was like, Why, Like pick me to do something here. Can I help out? And But the, the funny thing, I understood the importance of it and everything else. And I was sad that I was not picked and contributed in some way, shape or form. But the funny thing is... It's, it's very serious, right? So you don't want to miss oh, the yeah. name of the, the, the judge, your, your position and all of that good stuff. There was a guy behind me. He's lapped throughout the whole time. And I mean snoring.
1: Oh, my gosh. And he
2: was behind me for all those hours. So he slept several times. And I was like, what's wrong with this guy? Like, he's sleeping here. So what's <laughs> going on? And then I was like, no, what's going on with me? Good for him that he can turn <laughs> off his yeah. brain like that in, in an environment like this.
1: I literally so sleep.
2: And literally just sleep. And sleep. Wow. And I was like, I, I almost woke him up and said, can you tell me what's the secret? Because I want to do that. Sometimes That's it get so overwhelmed. Yeah. You know, if I wake up in the middle of the night, my brain start, you know, processing it, everything that I need to do. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, no, we're not waking up now. And one thing that I started doing is just a five minute meditation in the morning mm. so I can quiet my mind. That's and it's, it's been helping to, you know, just not turn it off like that, but calm down a little yeah. bit. So I just want to share.
1: Yeah, calm your thoughts. You know, it's funny you say that about people. It's very serious. I was on jury <laughs> duty and it was, it was a, I think it was like a state, you know, they're picking the jury jury for the state, something serious, you know. And the guy said to me, I was on a stand, you know, you're on like a mock stand. They're like, right. what, what TV shows do you watch? Because they want to mm-hmm. know what TV shows. And I said, oh, I watched the Mets lose. <laughs> like joking because I'm a New York Mets fan and they're yes. yeah. like no one laughed no one even cracked a smile like, <laughs> that was supposed to be funny this is very you know but anyway and I'm not that funny of a person but I was just trying to be a little jovial but anyway there um, you well go. good for you cu- quieting your mind that is, yeah. that is trying, they, trying that, that is a uh, yeah life goal of mine I mean that is a tough one so yeah well without further ado we want to welcome Nicole again to our show so thanks again for being here um, you have such a great uh, story and a great business and just you're, you're up to a lot. So as we do with a lot of our guests, share with us and share with the ladies listening, if you will, how did you get kind of pulled into this real estate investing kind of business? Uh, There's was a lot of different paths, a lot of different ways we, we come here as women, and as investors. So I'm curious, what was it for you? What really compelled you to get involved in uh, real estate investing?
0: Yeah, so long story short, when I started in appraising, um, I was very young, um, my husband and I, we worked in a manufacturing plant. And um, I said, Oh, man, there's got to be more than this. And then, uh, so somebody had mentioned real estate to us, I became an appraiser, the market crashed, um, couldn't get a job. So I became a realtor. And I thought, um, this is this is great. I mean, you can make really good money doing it. And then what I realized is I can make a business out of it. Um, So when I was an appraiser, going back a little bit, I had um, trainee appraisers that would work under me, kind of like a a team model now as a real estate agent. And um, once I started learning about how we could do that as a realtor, I thought, oh my goodness, we could turn, I could turn this into a business. So I started the real estate team and then my husband joined me. um, And then we started talking to people and, and what we would experience is really, really old agents. And I thought, Oh, my goodness, what am I going to do when I'm 80? I don't want to be selling real estate when I'm 80. Because that sounds horrible. I want to, you know, vacation, I want to travel. So the more people that we talked to that were doing cool stuff, kind of introduced us into passive income. And I thought, I got to do that. Like, that's, that's where I got to go. So um, then we just started, you know, uh, talking to people that were doing the things that we wanted to do. And, um, you know, we just started surrounding ourselves with those people. And as you learn, um, you kind of like add little things like so first we started doing flips, and then we started getting long term rentals, and then somebody introduced us to the short term rental uh, game
2: wow mm. and and reading your bio, you're saying that after you 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 know you start building a team, a lot of the folks that are with you nowadays are being for a long period of time and yeah. it's so it's not rare but it it's you see so many people just starting and quitting very very easily. What would you say were the things that you and your husband did as a team to build this strong foundation so people will stay longer and contribute to, to, to your business?
0: Yeah, so we're huge on culture. Um, we have a great group of people, and it's more than just come in and bang the phones and, and you know sell real estate. We actually look into their personal lives and their financial lives, and we try to help them. Um, you know, grow as a as people, and not just you know come in and bang the phones and get something in contract. So we do a lot of coaching them on passive income as well. Um, you know, setting up their own businesses so that they can you know run a business within our business, and we hang out. I mean, we have a little WhatsApp that everybody's in in it, and you know, all day long everybody's messaging people um, just to stay in touch.
1: And your team, Nicole, consists of folks that are, so on the real, on the kind of realtor side, so to speak, they're, they're selling real estate, I guess, um, on that part of it. Do you have a team as well on your like short-term and, and long-term rentals and flipping businesses or is that all kind of combined or how, how do you kind of segment, segment your business? Just curious.
0: Yeah. So it's all kind of combined, combined. We have um, three admins and one of our admins, our listing coordinator, which I'm not real sure I could live without her because <laughs> She does a lot. She does all of our listings as well as all of our vacation rental check-ins. You know, if something goes wrong, she handles it. So she's kind of like, um, she takes on more than just the listing coordination role on our team. Wow. And, and
2: reading your story, you were an appraisal, so you were already familiar with the business. But you, you mentioned that you struggled during your first year. What are the lessons that you learned during that time? And what would you have done differently?
0: Yeah, the first year that I went, that I became a real estate agent, um, I was almost embarrassed because the appraisal business, in my eyes, had failed. So I looked at failure like, this is horrible. And everybody's probably laughing at me because they're like, haha, you failed at this business. Um, but what I should have been doing was looking at the failure as growth. And, you know, what did I do in that team setting that I should change moving forward? So I think once I got past that and then got around the right people, because, you know, I started with a different brokerage where they weren't learning based. Um, So it was like, here's your desk, here's your computer and a phone, you know, go work. Um, So I I think it was definitely the mindset of failure, not being a, a bad thing. And then just surrounding yourself with the right people.
1: Yeah, and it's so true because we can't do it alone. You know, we try to, especially as women.
0: Especially as women, yeah.
1: yeah. We really, really try to do it alone, and you know, and Jess and I will go back and forth, and she's, you know, I said, do you need any support? And 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 she's like, and if she says yes, it's like she's at the like dire straight. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, you know, I'm in the midst of moving, and she's like. You don't need to come tonight. We, you know, I'm like, no, 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 I'm coming. I'm coming. So it's funny. We really take on a lot as women. I want to circle back on your your experience as an appraiser. I think it's such a underappreciated and really very important aspect of real estate. Yeah, 100%. Um, because everything has to do with the appraisal. Whether you're flipping property, whether you're uh, buy and hold, uh, even if you're wholesaling, really every aspect of investing in in this in this business. You got to kind of have a sense of, of, of have, uh, you know, having a handle on the appraised value. I'm curious as an appraiser yourself, even though you may not be as active obviously now, but you, you have that mind, you know, what can you tell the ladies listening, the investors listening about the process or about, you know, ensuring that they're getting the value? Because, you know, you're trying to refinance a property an appraiser can make or break your deal, like literally. And it's not their fault, but, but that aspect of the business is so critical, I, I find. And I find that there are some strategies that people learn over time, but they don't know when they begin. So I'm just curious if, if uh, you know, I'm experienced or new investor, what would you say to me as someone who is getting ready to, again, whether it's a flip or rental, about just getting a sense of knowing the process of, of, you know, working with appraiser and working with that process, that aspect of this, of this business.
0: Yeah. I think, I think a lot of appraisers um, when they go into a property, they they really don't understand. And I think I just learned this um, when I became a real estate agent and I started selling and started getting low appraisals and what, what they don't understand is really the market. I mean, I've walked into some homes where um, I had the, the, the seller or the owner give me a list of things either about the neighborhood, about the comparable sales that I had no idea about that I would have overlooked had they not provided that information. Um, so if, if I'm selling a property or we're, you know, we know we have to get an appraisal on a property and there's something wonky about the neighborhood or the comps that I see the appraiser will have, um, I'll, I'll try to have a conversation with them, but not try to like steer them in a direction of a value. Cause if you do that, then they get all pissed off.
1: Um. <laughs> it's like <laughs> so, a fine line, yeah. Yeah,
0: there, there really is. And I mean, I've had some sellers where they're, they're very pushy or the realtor is very pushy and I'm just like very turned off about it. But if you're just very informative and you're like, hey, you know, I know you're probably gonna use this comp, it's a sinkhole and it's not reported. Um, just any information you can give them is, is great.
2: I think you're yeah. making such a good point of not assuming they know the right. market, especially because we, when we're dealing with some some lenders that are not from your state or, or not very like local, and they hire an appraisal that, let's say, in Philadelphia, an appraisal from the suburbs might not know the density of some neighborhoods in Philadelphia, and we cannot use comps that are a mile away that we're, we're in another town, let's say. So you're making such a good point of informing them, Hey, and this is, this is what's going on here to the point that you're also building a relationship with them. And I had appraisers in the past that they called me back just to clarify a couple of things. And I I thought that was great. I didn't take it as like, Oh my gosh, they, they don't know what they're doing. I thought, well, let's, let's be informative. And and I think that once, once you build that relationship, genuine relationship, as you were saying, not being pushy with everybody in your team, then you, you can really create that trust that people know that you are not trying to do anything, um, you know, out of the, the normal, the regular. But from an appraisal to now building a luxury RV resort, is mm-hmm. that what you're up to right now? Yeah, that's that's one of our many projects that we got going on right now, yeah. Wow, so there, there's a lot in between. You have flips, you have the, the short-term rentals, and now the, the RV and other, other things that you might have in your pipeline. What do you have to do in order for you, for the mindset, I'm talking more specifically right now, to go from, from being a realtor and starting your own business to now developing several business in different directions. What are the things that you had to do in your personal growth in order for you to even imagine that that was even possible?
0: I think it's, it's definitely the people that you surround yourself with. And we hear it so, so often. Um, I get really bored really easy with something. Once I accomplish something, it's like, okay, that's great. Now what? Now what? So it's like, you know, we, we built a real estate team and we're doing good. I mean, we're not, you know, closing 500 deals a year, but we're doing very well. Um, so now it's like, what else can I do? I can build the people, we can do flips. So we got into that. And now it's like, let's do some development stuff. Cause we haven't really touched into commercial and it's the whole failure, right? Everybody, I feel like sometimes you're scared to do something or move forward with something because you're scared of that failure and what does that look like or what would everybody think about you if, if this project completely failed? And um, you know, you, I, I just think you do the best that you can. And if you do fail, which you will, which is kind of good. Yeah. You know, right.
1: Nicole, just to circle back on of you said is I think it, it's something that a lot of not so much new investors deal with, but probably more experienced and or people that have been in a certain segment of the business. So you said something interesting. You said, okay, we have this going and it's working and then, you know, you usually get bored and then you want to get into something different, you know, and then, you know, then you go there, especially if it's an opportunity, of course, not just, you know, it seems like a good idea. I'm sure you guys do your due diligence and all those sort of things, but you kind of pivot and you get into something new and you probably, it sounds like you've done that a few times. You know, it's interesting because I feel like we've done that and in certain ways it pays off and sometimes it's like we really should just stick to that because we do that really well but this over here you know it's a little more of a learning curve and I feel like there's this this double-edged sword and I don't know if I have an answer for it because I'm almost I see both sides of it still but I'm curious how do you reconcile my question is how do you reconcile people's personality because I feel like you know in a lot of ways my husband's like you know what you're saying I think he just gets bored sometimes like I need something new how do you reconcile that with a you know making sure the pivot? I like to say because it's related. It's not like this new business that has nothing to do with what you're doing. It's a pivot. It's a business kind of pivot in, in a sense. How do you ensure that it's you know the, the the right move? And I say right move meaning the move that's like you, you know you've mitigated the risk. You've ensured that. And I'm sure you guys do this because you're, you're you're very seasoned. But I'm curious what kind of a checklist or how do you reconcile that? You know, cause I feel like it happens to a lot of us and I can see both sides of it where I sometimes like, Oh man, I should just stick with what we know.
0: Yeah. I think it's, um, it's more of an emotional draw. Like if you wake up in the morning and you go, Oh, I got to go flip that house. You probably shouldn't be doing it.
1: Mm.
0: Um, also, I mean, numbers don't lie when you, I mean, we've had a few flips that went horribly wrong. Um, that we did wake up and went, oh, God, I really don't want to deal with that today. Um, however, I'm excited about the next flip, then, you know, maybe you should stick it out. So I, I think that's kind of how we gauge stuff. It's like if you wake up in the morning and you're just like, oh, God, I really don't want to do this. Um, you know, we, we learned very quickly that we're not good managers. So we hired people to manage <laughs> a lot of our stuff um, just because we had that emotion in, you know in the morning. It's like, I don't want to deal with this, so I'm not going to do it.
2: Yeah, and it seems to me that the RV luxury resort does excite you guys.
0: Yeah, it does, even though we have had, you know, we've had a few bumps in the road with permitting and stuff, as I believe everybody does when they're doing community, but um, it's, it's still very exciting for us.
2: Tell me about what's involved on it, uh, jumping on the like how to's, what it's involved on this. I would never talked about this specific type of soft projects. Um, is there any tricky thing that you learn on, on your, your journey that you didn't know before? And it was like, oh my gosh, okay, now I know.
1: <laughs> well, and also, Nicole, too, uh, share, with the, share with the listeners um, what, what you're doing exactly, because I think that might help give yeah. some context, too.
0: Okay, so it's basically a, a piece of land that came across our desk. Um, we, have, we are selling a few um, new construction products as, as agents. And the builder approached us and said, hey, I have this great idea. Um, I have this piece of land. Do you guys want to go in on it? So we kind of joined forces with him and, um, of course, got the architect. And we've got this great idea. We've got this great business plan. We started, you know, raising money for it. Um, Purchase the land, and what I've learned so far is you have to be patient with city governments. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Patience
2: patience is such a nice word.
0: (laughs) And my husband and I, we aren't very patient. You know, we want it to move very fast. Um, and, And what we realize is we do have to slow down and we have to be nice about it. Um, we started the permitting process and one of the people in the building departments passed away unexpectedly. So wow. that delayed things. Um, and, and I don't really like delaying things. So I think the patience part is, is where, you know, I, I think I struggle with that, but as far as the development, I mean, we've kind of been through it because we do sell new construction.
2: Got it. And what is exactly? Cause it's a piece of land, right? Right. And what were the, the thought process to determine that that best off use of the land will be for a luxury RV uh, resort?
0: So we have, they're actually very popular here in Florida. And as we did the research, we realized that, um, you know, we, we looked into the sales of RVs at people at a certain age and the sales are growing significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, We also have a project about an hour away from us that about two weeks before this project kind of came to us, um, I had a friend that asked me to do an appraisal on an RV lot (laughs) because they're all fee simple and they're sold separately. So I I went out, I did it. I I talked to the owner of this community and I got a lot of information because I had never appraised one before. Um, And then two weeks later when it kind of came to us, I was like, there's a sign, like something is telling us we can to do this.
1: But it's so important to keep be open to those signs, right? I mean, I forget the psychological term, but you know, it's like someone saying to you, uh, "I just got this, you know, this white SUV, you know, I don't know, a new a new type of SUV, uh, you know, I don't know what it is." And then you're like, "I've never seen that before." And then they're like, "Yeah, it looks like this." And then they show you a picture on their phone. You're like, "That's awesome." And then the next day, all of a sudden, you see them everywhere. You yeah. know, and you're like, "What happened? Did they just fall out of the sky?" No, you just your awareness was raised, so you're. You're looking, for the, you're looking for something and you see it and then you're like, oh, then I see it. So it's the same thing, like what you're saying. I think it's so important in this business to stay open to those signs, you know, and, and to be kind of aware, you know?
2: Yeah. They uh, say that kind of like you tell your brain what's important and, and then yeah. your, your eyes start paying attention to it. It happened yeah. about uh, opportunity zones. We started this conversation and and now everywhere that i go and all the conversation it's surrounded by it and it's just like pouring and i was like i want to know more and more about all of that linking that like what's coming up i do i do short-term rentals and you mentioned you do it as well where are your properties
0: located so it's kind of hard in our area we actually learned the hard way um, that there's a lot of rules about short-term rentals in our <laughs> area. So,
2: Fun um, topic.
0: We, yeah, the, back to the local government and uh, the neighbors that don't really like it. But we found a few communities where they're very legal, and um, we found a condo complex on the water. And, and you know, a lot of times you can buy them furnished already. So the last one we just bought about six months ago, completely furnished. We went in, just cleaned it up, slap a coat of paint on it, and in two weeks we had it up and running. Um, so I think you, you, just have to find those neighborhoods and, you know, where they are legal or, um, the cities where they allow it. We had what we have one that, um, we had to do, we had to put like a fire sprinkler system in the house and wow. it, we, there was a little bit of work we had to do to be compliant with the, the local government, but we, we did it. Very cool.
2: And a lot of people ask me about, uh, like the conversion, they have long-term rentals, and they they want to turn into short term, but they are not sure if that is a business that they would like to pursue. What would you say to those ladies that are taking in consideration um, Airbnbs and um, what would what are your criteria in order to determine if that property fits the short term rental model or not?
0: Yeah. Well, first of all and foremost, like I said, is you know the rules and regulations yes. of the local government or HOA. Um, the other thing is you got to look at you know what, what the percentages are of, of the what's that, what, what are the homes in the area renting for per, per night um, And then how many nights a month are they averaging So what I'll go do is I'll go into VRBO or Airbnb and I'll look at all the competition that I have. Um, sometimes there's way too many out there that I say well I don't know if I can if I'm going to buy this property I'm going to have to do something to make this property stand out, whether it's like completely updated, which I don't suggest anybody doing unless the numbers work, or if it has a pool and the other ones don't. Um, and the other thing is you, you've got to um, you got to make sure you're, you're buying the right stuff for the vacation rentals. And what I realized is people don't care what wall art you have or what curtains you have, but the main thing they do care about is the linens, the bed, and the towels, you know, stuff like that. So we make sure that um, when we go in, we buy high-end hotel quality stuff there. Yes. But, I mean, everything else is bought from, like, Walmart or Target.
1: Yeah. yeah, 100%. That's great. Yeah, I know. Andres is actually speaking at our our local investor uh, meetup this evening on the very topic of what you what Airbnb, what to do it or not? I forget the exact title, but you're, you're speaking. I'm not. So <laughs> I'm just saying I'm going to be helpful. Yeah. I'll it's like
2: Airbnb not or not
0: Airbnb. Got That's it. the question. Yeah. And we also have some, some clients that want us to, to manage those. And I have a list of, you know, everything that they should have in the house and um, even down to like a propane tank for a grill outside. Um, so we do have a list if you want me to share that with you of, of what you know, awesome. we suggest you having a vacation rental very cool
2: that would be awesome and then we can put it available for all the ladies to download as well yeah, okay. that'd
1: be wonderful so nicole you're you're a mom of three, you work with your husband you know you're you're, you're balancing it all you know as a woman as an investor um you know that's the how do you, you know, how do you do it all? I like to ask that question to all the ladies on here. It, it's, uh, we know there's no secret, you know, however, but there are certain strategies and ways of being that are more useful than, than others, right? We all know that. So what for you, you know, has helped you, especially starting the business, getting into the business yourself, pulling your husband in, raising three, three boys. So h- how have you managed it all over the years?
0: I think having my morning routine is very um, consistent. You know, I like to get up re- very early. I like to meditate. I like to work out. Um, and and I feel like when I have a lot of time in the morning to do that, um, and I don't really dig into work until like nine, that may sound very early for some, but that or late, early for some, that's late for me because um, I'm up at like 4.30. But um, I think just taking some time for yourself. And then when I, when I feel like I'm really stressed or, um, like sometimes you feel like you're doing something and you're just like hitting your head against the wall and like you're trying so hard and you can't figure it out. Um, w- when I feel myself doing that, I just stop and I take a step back and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to pause for a day. I'm just going to you know sit at home or do something other than try to figure out this problem. So I think it's, it's really about taking time for yourself and doing something that lights you up. You know, if, if you like, You know going to get your hair done or going to the spa or whatever you know just you got to do something for you that's
2: awesome you also also mentioned that um, uh, to have a balanced life you try to involve your family with what you're doing so it's more like a lifestyle or something like separated and personal and business how do you usually do that
0: Um, so we don't really like to separate our business with uh, our personal life so Anything that we do, I feel, I feel like when, when we're talking about business with our kids, they're learning, right? They're learning what we're doing, what we're struggling with. And it teaches them that it's okay to fail or have problems or, you know, cash flow issues or a problem with a project. And it teaches them how to fix it because we talk about how do we fix it? This is our problem. What do we do to fix it?
2: It makes totally sense. And sometimes we struggle to try to separate everything and only have fun with the kids. But I think there's such a important lesson that they can see. They can see the properties when we buy them. I'm not recommending to bring a kid to like a hoarder's house or anything like that. However, I want them to to, to either see the picture or them, or, him. I just have one, so there's no <laughs> them. Him, I want him to, you know, start seeing it, what's, what's going on, because there are, you know, it's, it's hard work there. Nobody gets a house and it's beautiful. Oh my gosh, it smells so good. Well, it didn't before. So it takes, it takes a lot of effort in order to do that. And I believe that having those conversations at such early age will shape their form of thinking. So they are going to be in like problem, problem solving mode instead of just all complaining or, or not being grateful for, for, for the things that they have. so it's such a great point that you're, you're making.
0: Yeah. And I I think that the, the entitlement that the kids have nowadays, I see it, you know, with my, my kids' friends where, you know, their parents go out and buy them a brand new car or, you know, they're, they're doing all this cool stuff. My kid's driving a beat up, you know, pickup truck that, you know, he paid cash for himself. Um, And I believe that they really learn a lot from that when they have to go through that. Even like my oldest just turned 18 and um, he, when he was 16, he bought his own truck. We said, you save up the money. We'll pay for the other half. It was a $6,000 piece of crap truck and he drove it and he would always say, I don't understand. My friends have all these nice cars. And I'm, I'm like, no, you're, you're gonna, you know,
1: hundred percent. And it starts at an early age. I mean, and yeah. selfishly here, I have ai have a, I'm a four year, almost five and, and, a, you know, almost 19 month old. I'm curious, like at what point, cause you know, you, you know, talking about money and he's like, I, he said something, he goes, oh, just order it, order it. My, my son just, just go on the, go on your phone and order it is what he told me the other day. He wanted <laughs> a Lego set. And I'm like, God, he just thinks I just press a button and money just so, you know, the, the, power of talking about money and i'm starting you know we're starting to talk more about money and things with him and how do you earn it can you earn it by trading your time or passively like all the different ways and i'm curious what did you do what did you do when your boys were young because you were in business you know you know what did you did you give them allowances did you make them kind of work and do it in a small way obviously they wouldn't buy a truck you know when they were five but what did you do when they were younger because i'm 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 really trying to figure that out like I'm just trying to really be mindful of that because I don't want to, I want to be mindful of it so I can set my kids up, you know, for this, for the, for the right mindsets, you know, not just give them whatever they want.
0: Yeah, I think when they, when they were younger, um, we tried the allowance, we tried the little board with the get a dollar for all that, and we're so inconsistent here's another one of our failures. My husband and I were so inconsistent that at the end of the week, they're like, you owe me $5. And I'm like, well, I wasn't even keeping track I've anything else going on. How do I owe you $5? So we kind of stopped that. We stopped giving them money. We stopped showing them how to earn it. Um, and then, you know, we, we just kind of say, you got, you got to help around, uh, around the house. Um, and then as they got older, um, we do have our, our middle son on payroll. Um, but, I, we didn't want to do, we, we don't, we're trying not to form them to be like a nine to fiver because I, I don't think, I don't want that life for them. And my older one, he, we kind of tried to do like a commission structure, right? So if you do something, um, then you do get paid for it as they get older, but I don't feel like it worked when they were younger because um, I don't think they really understood the difference between a, an hourly job and a commission based mm-hmm. job. So when they were younger they would always want toys and you know whatever that they saw in the store and we just tried to keep explaining to them look this is this is kind of junk like we get it home and you know it ends up in a toy box and then we end up throwing it away um and it's wasted money it I, don't, I don't know if they understood that i don't i don't know if we were very good when they were kids <laughs> but
2: we're we're all trying <laughs> I, I heard about this concept about, um, instead of doing allowance you just saying, well, this is your contribution for the community here. And, and, and this is it. You, you just take the garbage out or you just cut. So the you're wall. not
1: exchanging. So you're not exchanging money. I'm really trying to figure this out. Cause if my son's getting older and he's, he's a smart little cookie and he's <laughs> all up, you know, and I'm like, I just want to, I mean, I was raised very well with money, but I want to take it. I feel like I wanted to get to a different level where you know we're we're entrepreneurs. We have our own business. I wanna I wanna get his mindset different than than you know. I'm very appreciative of how I was raised, and so was my husband. But we just want to take it to a different level, especially with the relationship with money. So I'm like, you know, I'm just really thinking through strategies, you know, and and they're they're forming them now. So to your point, right? Maybe it's not an exchange of money, right? Um, maybe it's just you know you need to do these things, and that's the contribution to the family and the money part is like what they can do. We did a um one of those um, yard sales, and he said, "I really want a new toy, so he are like okay you can, you can you're gonna have to earn it you know and um and here's the process. everyone that came up was like, my son was like, Do you want this? Do you want this? you know it was just so funny I mean it was he was a funny sales guy I mean he's like, you know you want this, do you want this? you like just everyone, no small talk just right to the point but anyway, yeah. I do remember when the kids were younger we
0: did a yard sale and they're like we're going to sell lemonade and I was like oh this is a great opportunity to show them how to be an entrepreneur and I was like okay how much does the can of lemonade cost we're going to like this is our expenses and they just totally didn't understand so I was like okay that doesn't work but I do remember my older son um, when he first learned about flipping so he bought a skateboard in 7th grade off of, online somewhere and a week later he didn't like it and I said well you need to find somebody to buy it like so he bought it for like 50 bucks or something and he tried to get rid of it for a week. And finally he found a kid that wanted to buy it for 60. Wow. And we said, stop, let's talk about what just yeah. happened. And I what think from Maryland, he actually got it because over the last couple of years, they flip everything they can find shoes, electronics, um, you know, and I'm sure you hear about a lot of people doing it, you know, especially if you listen to like Gary Vee.
1: Now, that's a great, great point. And, and you're, you're raising an excellent point that all of us can do, especially, uh, you know, moms with, with, you know, kids, it's like, or grandkids for that matter, look to see what they're interested in. And they're probably not going to be interested in it in two weeks. So to your point, you know, like whatever my son, like Paw Patrol, well, Paw Patrol's on the way out. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're like, they're like, they're like two weeks ago, you know? So, but it's not a great, what a great thing is like, what are they interested in? take what they're interested in and see if that's like that type of approach. I maybe mean, it's not a skateboard, maybe it's a Paw Patrol toy or a Lego set or, you know, whatever, you know, um, Lorenzo's interested on in Jessa so whatever it yeah. is, but, but that's a great suggestion. Um, I think that's a great way to think of it is what are they interested in before they get something new, you have to let go of the old thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it, I that whole concept teaches them, you know, as they get older, you can, you can roll that, flipping shoes or skateboards into flipping houses.
1: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. It's a great, it's a great way of thinking of it. Appreciate that. I've been, yeah, I've been personally struggling with that. You know, like how do I teach this and, and, and do it in early age rather than like waiting, you know, so appreciate that. Um, so Nicole, we could probably keep, keep chatting with you and we'd, we'd love to have you back on, on a future date. Where can the ladies listening learn more about all the great things that you and your husband are up to uh, and all the investments and, development stuff and all, you know, all great, great things you're up to.
0: Yeah. So we are, we're on um, social media, Nicole, do follow. We have um, our real estate team is lock and key realty. Um, So you can just Google that and find us there. And we are actually located in the Tampa Bay, Florida area market area. So uh, yeah, just reach out.
2: Awesome. And all this information is going to be on our show notes. So just go there and you have the links to reach out to Nicole. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. Are you ready, Nicole? Yes. All right, let's go. The first one is, what's the most transformational book you have ever
0: read? Um, it would have to be... Hmm, most transformational book?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think it would have to be The Miracle Morning. Good one. How did that impact you? I think it, it taught me how to start the day. Um, you know, how to get that morning routine going and um, just start the day off right. Because I think it's so important to do that. I agree. The second question is, what's the most powerful
2: routine you do to create a financially free and balanced life?
0: Um, I mean, I hate to say the same thing, but it, it has to be the mental clarity in the morning, right? Like if, if you're not if you're not on your game, you know, with your mindset, it 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 all it affects everything else. Got it. The
2: third one, the last one is which women, famous or not, has inspired you the most?
0: I have so so many women in my life that inspire me. Um, I am part of a women's group called Symmetry Seven. And I feel like everybody is so different. And I've I've been with them for about three years now. And they they really inspire me by everything that they're doing because a lot of them it's so much different than what I'm doing.
1: Awesome. It's awesome. Nicole, thank you so much for being on our show and sharing some great tips and strategies and just sharing all your great um, you know not just strategies but the way you're thinking and what you're doing and then it transpiring into obviously all the things you're up to especially with your family and your husband so thanks for thanks for being on our show and thanks for sharing your great wisdom yeah thanks ladies thank you
2: nicole if you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews go to our website com. there you can subscribe to our show become part of our investor community